Shut up and sit down. Guys, welcome back. Episode 77 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, and uh, it's good to be here as always. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's been about a week and a half since we were able to get on the mic. Had an emergency last week on the day that I had thought was available to record a show um, and had to run out. So it, was, um, it wasn't possible. But here we go. Uh, back at it and hoping to get a couple of episodes to you this week. Catch back up on things. Bring us current and... Uh, and keep this train moving forward. So I um, want to thank you guys up front for all the uh, engagement and all the uh, kind of interactions that we're getting from you, um, specifically on the last show, uh, which seems like a, you know almost forever ago now. Uh, that was episode 76 about the Christchurch uh, massacre, and that was the, uh, that was the day it happened. Uh, we, we put a show out on that. Uh, lots of good feedback from that show, and um, there's been some follow-up since then. You know, obviously there's been a huge call for solidarity and unity and you know the things that you always like to see from a community in a country. You know, grieving so hard after, you know, an immense tragedy like this was, you know, 50 plus people dead, you know, um, similar number in the hospital um, as a result of a, of, of a deranged person just, you know, letting their anger and their own mental issues out on a community that they thought deserved it for whatever reason. Um but the response from the leadership in New Zealand has been amazing for the most part. Um, you know, a nine day re- kind of a nine day lead time from the shooting to them banning assault weapons, you know, and a number of other sort of caveats around the type of uh, weaponry that can be owned in New Zealand, you know, high, uh, high volume magazines and you know, converters that change semi-auto into auto weapons, etc. You know, all of these things. They basically clamp down on it, you know, right across the board, which is great to see. And, you know, it takes you back, you know, 20 plus years ago when Australia did the same thing and banned guns after they experienced a shooting. And since then, they haven't had one. So the results sort of speak for themselves. And that sort of response is a testament to what can happen when the executive branch of a country just turn around and say, no, 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 we're not going to suffer this sort of ill from either inside or outside of our country, from people who have, you know, these extreme viewpoints and built up rage and mental health problems, etc. You know, all the all the ingredients that go into making someone a mass shooter like this. Um so it's a great testament in terms of what an executive government, you know, an executive branch of government can do when looking down the barrel of a tragedy, you know, uh, poorly, poor choice of words there. But, you know, uh, you know, looking down, you know, at the at the aftermath of a tragedy and acting accordingly. Now. With the. You know, with the great response on the weapons ban and things like making it illegal to view the shooter's uh, video that was posted to Facebook Live um, and other social media. Also making it illegal to read his manifesto. The video perhaps, because that's just a snuff film, but the manifesto I don't agree with. And I think what we teeter on here is a... is is a really fine line of where we start to censor information. Tragedies happen. The information garnered from those tragedies can be used in an educational manner to inform and educate those in the future from a law enforcement side, from a mental health practitioner, therapy point of view, uh, from, you know, kind of educating the youth to whatever it may be. The bookstores, well, the government overall have banned any of this. 
there are bookstores taking it one step further, which is where I have a real problem. And that is that some bookstores, websites in Australia, uh, in New Zealand, <clears throat> and I think perhaps in Australia as well, have banned the Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules book or 12 Lessons book. And some are not giving any reason. Others are just giving a very vague uh, for circumstances we we deem offensive or of an offensive nature or something like that. They've pulled his book from the bookshelves. And I think you have to be very, very careful in the, in the wake of a tragedy to go too far in your response or your reaction to this where it becomes something that is trying to clamp down on expression or information or communication or whatever it may be. And what I mean by that is kind of the example I gave there with this killer's manifesto. Very, very few times do you get to interview the perpetrator of such a heinous act because they usually kill themselves or they're usually shot by the police or they blow themselves up, right? We kind of have an idea of what, you know, some of the things that lead a person down this, you know, kind of dark road. But what better way to learn how to avoid something in the future or how to treat the mental illness that leads a person to do this sort of, this heinous act, what better way than hearing it from that person's own mouth? And that's why I say you're not going to really get anything from the video that was put across social media because that's effectively just a snuff film. Him running in and, you know, just kind of shooting people at will. You're not going to learn much from that other than than he was, you know, a deranged individual, which we already know because, you know, of the shooting and, and everything around it. We don't need the footage of that. But... A manifesto gives you an idea of origin, of source, of inspiration, of what is going through this person's mind that justifies, to them, justifies the act of such extreme violence. Now, do I think it should be in Barnes & Noble on every shelf or in the front page of every paper? No, I do not. But I don't think that you should cross it out and put band beside it or sealed beside it. Because I think that goes one t step too far. The banning of a book, as I mentioned, Jordan Peterson, this is ludicrous. This is censorship that has nothing to do with the tragedy and that is perceived as something to do with the tragedy because of the misconception of who the uninformed think Jordan Peterson's audience is. Or who they think Jordan Peterson himself is. He is a proponent of freedom of speech. He is a proponent of freedom of expression. He is not an alt-right neo-Nazi sympathizer, Holocaust denier, you know, white supremacist. This is not who Jordan Peterson is. But because his book applies to men, something he's, you know, just trying to run the patriarchy down people's throats. But again, you cross this over into taking an action based on a mass shooting that had nothing to do with anything that Jordan Peterson has proclaimed or kind of stood behind or endorsed. And I don't like it. And this is what I mean by New Zealand getting it almost all right we have a ten pardon me we have a tendency sometimes to go too far we have a tendency sometimes to jump to conclusions we have a tendency sometimes to believe everything that is in front of us and exist quite happily in our echo chamber we have a tendency not to look at the other side of the argument we have a tendency not to take the time to explore the details and the nuance and the context of an argument or the subject matter. 
And I think with banning or making it illegal for the manifesto to be read or making, you know, making Jordan Peterson persona non grata in terms of, you know, don't read this man. He's nothing but negative, nothing but alt-right, nothing but exactly the profile of the person that went in and shot up these mosques. That is not how you do this. And that is one step too far. If people don't want to buy Jordan Peterson's book, that's different. But to censor it out and not make it available, well, that's controlling speech. And anytime anybody wants to control the information that you can, you can get your hands on or the literature you can read, be very, very mindful of that, right? Anybody that poses the argument to you about removing the barriers of your privacy because they have nothing to hide, so what's the big deal? Have no idea about what civil rights and human rights are. These are not things that are, you know, uh, these are not extras. The ability to have information of all types is a civil right. You shouldn't be censored in, in what you can read. You shouldn't be censored in, you know, You can tell that this is a slant, a political slant, a ideological slant, because the bookstores that have banned Jordan Peterson's book are still selling Mein Kampf. So there is a clear misunderstanding here or a act-in-the-moment reaction here that really is doing nothing other than what it always what always happens when you make something illegal right when you tell people they cannot have something what do they do that's right exactly right they go and seek it out this is why prohibitions don't work So if you want to penalize people who want to think in a certain way that might be, you know, a few, a few degrees right of how you feel, the idea should not be to censor that material. The idea is to absorb that material so you understand all of the points of view that the person that might believe in such material can come at you with and you're prepared to defend yourself or refute their arguments, or you, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, you don't, you don't throw these things away into a dark dungeon and lock the door. You put them under a spotlight and you say, hey, look at this. You see the crazy fuck that shot up all of these mosques? This is what he was going. This is what he was going for. This is where his head was. These are the things he thought. These are the things he believed. And this is why all of that is not true. Have a debate about it. Win with facts. Don't censor things. We're so quick to cut off dialogue when it doesn't fit into a nice pretty mold of the things that we want to hear or the things that we believe. Right? If it if it rocks our echo chamber even the slightest bit, we don't want to hear it. It's automatically wrong, it's automatically bad, and it should automatically be blocked. And I don't know if that's just because there's an information overload, you know, with the internet and with social media and people just can't be bothered. But uh, I actually, I wonder if people actually ever could be bothered. And if social media just amplifies how much people aren't bothered considering other people's point of view. How else would this work? How else would social media work this way? How else would the news media get so biased? If we weren't letting them do this, if we were a little bit more attentive, if we were a little bit more discerning, questioned a little bit more, were curious about the things that were being told to us a little bit more. 
maybe that would lead us to a place where we could recognize when we were being bullshitted a little bit more effectively. You know, talking about an effective bullshitter, the Mueller report has come out now, which was effectively Donald Trump's best day in office since the election. Or since the inauguration, I should say. You know, when he had more, when he had three times more people than Obama did, you know, but he didn't really, um, you know, but, and I can, I can, I can say this quite confidently because I've never, I've never gone after Trump solely on the fact that I think he's a Russian spy, right? Like that's a fucking stretch. I've always said and maintained the fact that that would be a stretch, that he was an agent. Like, come on, man. The guy says Hamburger. Like a Russian agent? I don't think so. You know? He can't pronounce anonymous. You know? Tiny hands. In all of my experience in espionage, I don't know many spies with tiny hands that are 75 years old, that look like a, you know, a garbage bag full of, like, Wheaties and Cheerios and milk just all sloshed up together. I mean, he's so gross. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, I've never really gone after him about this Mueller thing and him being a spy because I didn't think he was. I think the likely, the 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 more likely thing with the Trump-Russia connection is probably business dealings. Now, and I read the article by Matt Taibbi, who I love. He's one of my favorite journalists, one of the most honest journalists, one of the most, you know, fact-ready journalists. And, you know, he wrote a piece saying how this, you know, was a referring to a New York Times article uh, in which they were trying to, I mean, the New York Times is, fuck, man, I got, I got really conflicting views on the New York Times, but he was, he was referring to uh, an article that was on page one where the reporter had said, this is a day of reckoning for the media because the media has been so far on either side of this argument, you know, conflating things, conflating, you know, potential outcomes and consequences and, you know, one person on, I think, CNN or something like that said, maybe he was an, an ex-government official. He said, like, Trump's going to die in jail, like all this stuff. And, you know, he's committed high crimes and misdemeanors. And, you know, we've gone down this rabbit hole of non-verified news stories and, uh, you know, and, and things making the news cycle that really haven't been fact-checked and really haven't been sourced out. And it's led us to this this narrative building that just is more and more salacious and more and more, you know, pardon the pun again, but trumped up, you know. Now, I've said some things about Trump in the past, and I will continue to say things about Trump in the past because my estimation is he is an incompetent person who has no business leading a country, especially one the size of America with the power and influence that it has. But that's the democratic process. You don't always get what you want. I didn't want Hillary either. Now, even though the special counsel report said he recommended no further indictments, and I know Matt Taibbi has kind of kicked back on some of the things I'm going to say, but it is true that there could be sealed indictments it is true that there could be something coming from the Southern District of New York because they have other lawsuits not out, not necessarily outside of the Mueller invest. They are outside of the Mueller investigation, I should say, but they're not, they're not totally separate from what Mueller was investigating, if that makes sense. So was yesterday an amazing day for Donald Trump? 100%. Does that mean all of a sudden he's a great president, a successful president leading America in the right direction? Absolutely not. It just means that Mueller has said he's not a Russian spy. That's that's effectively what he said. Now there's a whole other there's a whole number of things that are still in the wings here 
in terms of Donald Trump, his dealings with Russia, his dealings, you know, through the Trump organization, so on and so forth. Those investigations are still going on, by the way. So I don't want to get too high and I don't want to get too low on any of this stuff. But for right now, in terms of the collusion aspect of things, anybody that said Donald Trump was a Russian spy, a Russian agent, you know, was working directly with the Kremlin to impede or decide the uh, 2016 elections was wrong. And I don't think I've made that claim on the podcast as blatantly as that. But if I have, then I was wrong too. But I've always maintained that Trump's incompetence is more widespread than just him trying to actually get the presidency from, uh, from the Democrats as a Russian agent. Like, do I think that he's been flipped and he's like working? For, like, I don't think that. I think there's other elements in play here. But aside from the collusion thing, which, you know, Mueller's special investigation has said, I'm not recommending indictment or any further indictments. We have to leave it at that for now. We have to leave it at that because that's the only way you move on to other pressing issues. And again, my criticisms of Donald Trump in the past have been such that they are more around his social policies, his his uh, foreign relations policies, his uh, his economic policies, his tax policies, his views on healthcare, his views on climate change, his views on renewable energy, his I mean, like his views on the Middle East and the uh, and the crisis between Israel and Palestine. Like, there's a whole range of shit that makes Donald Trump unfit for that job. And I hope that maybe now that the Russia thing is at least done for the minute, that we can focus on how bad he is at the job. Because he's really bad at the job. But what... Matt Taibbi said is absolutely right. This is a reckoning for the media. This is a day of reckoning for the media because anytime you say Trump is lying now or any news report says Trump is lying now, a whole bunch more people are going to be like, well, is he? Because they said he was lying about this Russia thing, but he wasn't. Robert Mueller has probably given the biggest boost to Donald Trump's credibility since Donald Trump last spoke about Donald Trump. You know? Like, fuck, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. But you can't be mad at it. They spent two years investigating it. And if this is the result on the backside of that, then, then that's what it is. Now let's get on with the rest of the job. Because what this has done is prop this guy up. It's prop Trump up for 2020 like a motherfucker. Right? Like the Democrats got some work to do or there's going to be another four years of this guy. So let's see because you can't, the conflation that the media has done throughout the two years of this basically saying, you know, he's going to be hung for this. This is treasonous. You know, what he's done is treasonous. You know, he's a Russian agent. Like, it's just, they're all going to eat their words and I can't wait to see some of the ways they try to walk it back or explain that there's still more to be done and, and all of this, but never will they apologize for getting it wrong. Never will they apologize for grandiose claims that they had no substantial evidence for or no evidence at all for, which is gross, which is why you shouldn't believe the fucking media and you should actually read people like Matt Taibbi and do your own sourcing out of journalis journalistic integrity because it's out there. It's out there. You just have to take the time to look. And you have to take the time to look at both sides. If you are reading mainstream media, you have to look at both sides because you have to triangulate. Left opinion versus right opinion versus your own thoughts on the matter and draw a conclusion in the middle. That's the only way you can do it with this bullshit because none of these guys are unreliable. Even the BBC is not reliable these days.
you know, and haven't been for a long time. So you have to go to the independent journalists, the ones that want to actually deliver you a story with facts, with quotes, with sources, you know, and they're out there. But let's not get this twisted. Yesterday was a huge day for Donald Trump, his presidency and his chances of being reelected in 2020. Make no mistake about that. Do I still think he's an, an incompetent and a terrible leader? and a terrible figurehead for, for America, 100%. And we can talk about his behavior, his policies, and his lack of attention to detail all day long. Just, again, this just means he wasn't a fucking spy for Russia. That doesn't negate all of the indictments around him. It doesn't. All of the charges, le charges levied against the people closest to him during this whole entire process. Now, whether that's, you know, Teflon Don being Teflon Don. Or if he just w didn't do anything and it was the people around him that did. I mean, you know, that's from some very charitable, pe charitable people around you. But for now, we have to put the collusion thing to bed. We have to. If there's another investigation about this going on in the background, then fine. But shut the fuck up about it. Because we've heard it now. We've been waiting for the results. The results are in. And the results favor Trump and what he said. And that's all, that's all you can say about it. Nancy Pelosi's asking for, you know, an unredacted report so she can look at all the findings and, you know, maybe there'll be something else in there. If there, if there is, then there'll be a problem with Barr and the way he's redacted it, you know. I can't see that happening. So we got to move on. Like he was done if this came back with any further indictments, but it would have been a high bar would have had to have been a high bar. So let's see what's next. But we have to put this collusion thing to bed because it's been said now. For now, it's been said. He did not collude with Russia to fix the election and is not a spy of Russia. Okay, cool. Let's move on. There's a lot of other things to get done. There's a lot of other things to address and there's a lot of things within Trump's, you know, policies and the way he governs and the way he, you know, the way he deals with people, everything. We can focus on these things now. So do that. The problem I see here is that n they're not going to let this go. Neither side. I know today already <clears throat> there's an opinion piece in the New York Times that says what's wrong with the what's wrong with the bar uh, report about the Mueller report, basically saying like how can how can Barr come up with these conclusions so so quickly and you know why isn't the public seeing these things before we you know before we make our final decision like it's you got to get over that shit man like you know. They knew this wasn't going to be a good report. That's why they released it when they released it. <laughs> they knew the bombshell that people were hoping for wasn't in there. You know, so they released it on a Friday. You know, weekend time. People are out drinking. People are at home. Like, you know, nobody's fucking paying attention to this. Um, or at least they thought. Um, you know, sweep this one under the rug kind of thing. But... They're not going to let it go, neither side. And I just, like, gave you an example. Like, New York Times is already writing, like, how William Barr is not credible and how this is a fucked up report and, you know, why we need more investigation. It's like, I get it. You're playing one side of the coin. I get it. But the impartiality that New York Times used to have is gone. So gone. And it really ruins their credibility a lot for me. And I listened to The Daily, uh, which is a podcast out of The New York Times, and even Michael Barbaro, who, you know, is the host of that podcast, you can you can just hear the partisanship in his questioning, in his, you know, responses, in his, you know, whether he's softball questions or, you know, trying to go at the person like you can totally see it. 
and that's really ugly. And what's also going to be really ugly is watching Trump not let this go. When you are vindicated, you know, if you're a secure person, if you're, uh, you know, if you're one of those people that practices, you know, the kind of take the high road or, you know, let the results speak for themselves kind of thing. If you're that type of person, you basically come out, make a short statement and you say, you see, I told you. Now will you start believing the things that I tell you? Two years of wasted time. And I told you, I'm not a Russian spy. There was no collusion and this was a witch hunt. Now can we move on? That's what he should do. But he won't. He's going to he's gonna try to get people fired. He's going to be relentless with the media. His press briefings are going to be the most hostile situation uh, situations ever. You know, this is going to give license to Sarah Sanders and others to be appallingly rude to journalists. But in a lot of ways, they've earned it. In a lot of ways, they have made this bet by being so quick to jump to conclusions, so quick to write stories that are unsourced, so quick to be on one side of the coin or the other. And I wish we could move on to the real policy issues of the day, but my feeling is that we're going to get entrenched in a back and forth battle of name calling, of of uh, you know discrediting each other, you know all of this stuff is just going to keep going. And the mainstream media is disgusting. The way it operates for ratings and part partisanship towards you know the the mindless drones of people that watch it is hilarious and it's gross as well so i wish we could move on to the policy issues of the day but we probably won't you know it's the same thing now with with brexit and where we've gone with brexit you know, I've been calling on this podcast for the fact that, in my opinion, the British public wants a second referendum. They launched a petition online, and for all accounts, for all intents and purposes, that is a real petition. The petition has received over 5 million signatures in about, what is it, three days? Something like that. Over a million people were on the streets in London on, was Saturday or Sunday, marching for a second referendum. And now Theresa May saying that if MPs vote for her deal, which failed twice, she'll quit. So maybe I'm a bit out of the loop on this one now, but, you know, we've, we're, we're getting an extension from the EU for Brexit, but we're in kind of a deadlock. Um, it's all, it's all a bit, it's all a bit in shambles at the moment. And I think what really needs to happen is that these politicians need to get their heads fully out of their own asses and just listen to what their constituents are saying. I've been saying this for months. It is not undemocratic to do a referendum over again. It is actually democratic to do that. We've gone through the Brexit process. It has been a mess. We clearly don't have the capacity as government organization to, to get through this sort of negotiation. And I think that's what, like, I know the referendum was Brexit. I know the referendum was, but really the referendum was to trigger Article 50, which was the process of removing us from the EU. That process was so incompetently run that I think it is fair to say that the British people, if calling for it, should get a second referendum vote to say something along the lines of, do you want to, 
Do you want to pull out of the Brexit process altogether? Do you want to leave with a no deal? Or do you want a, an extension to consider uh, getting a deal through? Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I get, I'm guessing I know. I'm guessing I have a feeling what would happen. Based on some of the, you know, the actions taken by people over the last few days. The, the, actions, the actions that we've seen over the past few days would indicate a sizable portion of people are interested in having this conversation about having a second vote. I just think, you know, the UK economy was once a powerful thing. We are no longer the empire, you know? And although we still have a very, very strong economy, it is propped up by multilateral and global trade deals, of which we will have none if we leave Brexit with a no deal. The EU have just spent 10 years negotiating a, a trade pact, a trade alliance with Japan. We will get no part of it. You know what we'll get? We'll get a $30 billion trade deal with the Nordics. Great. Fucking great. What, what, I mean, come on, man. You know? But this is exactly, this is exactly the example I think people needed to understand that the the government does not work for them. It has nothing to do with the constituents. It has nothing to do with the people that put the politicians in power. It has everything to do with party politics. With favoritism, with business interests, And political, uh, like, career progression. So, there's lots of things still to be done in both of these situations. In both the Trump situation, which, again, you know, Mueller said this is not exonerating, but it does not conclude that he committed any crimes, right? So, it's kind of like an on-the-fence thing. Brexit is like, you know, 5 million people have signified that they want a referendum. Another crack of the referendum. But the politicians are too bullheaded. The prime minister's too bullheaded to even think about considering it. There's still lots of things to do on both of these issues. And hopefully now we can move on towards some of those rather than just getting stuck in the Mueller report and the Brexit uh, deadline. Because nothing's going to happen in the next four days. What else is going on? Did you hear that Sam Smith is now non-binary? If you guys don't know who Sam Smith is, he's that singer, um, that R&B singer, that soul singer. Apparently he's come out as non-binary now because he feels feminine sometimes, gains fat in weird places where women usually gain fat. Um, and he didn't really know, he didn't really know how to explain it. And then he heard the term non-binary and said, oh, that's for me. So the BBC did an article on him. And I think it's just, it's ironic and it's hilarious at the same time, because it's like, you know, this is an article claiming that, you know, he's non-binary and he never really knew what his, um, you know, what his gender was or how he fit into the world. Right. I, like the article itself is written in the masculine tense, in the masculine pronoun. It refers to Sam Smith as he was undecided about his gender and now he has come out as non-binary and he feels that this makes him feel more comfortable. Like, it couldn't be more absurd and ironic and hilarious and parodied, like, if it tried. It's like, no, you're a bisexual or a gay man. That's it. You're not non-binary. You have a cock hanging between your legs, presumably. Just because you feel like a woman doesn't mean you are one, you know? Just because you play the Sonia Twain song and dance around the living room doesn't mean you're a female. It means you're a gay dude that likes dancing around the living room, listening to Shania Twain, man, I feel, damn, I feel like a woman, or man, I feel like a woman, whatever the fucking name of that song is. 
but this is absurd, right? And 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 I think it's like it's hilarious to me because everybody applauds his bravery. Everybody applauds his bravery. Oh my God, Sam Smith, you're so brave coming out like that and identifying as you know finding your place. I'm just like, how is it brave? Like, what is brave about it? Like, was he being, like, threatened not to come out as non-binary? Like, was there some, like, male patriarchal, like, club that was like, you better not fucking say it. You fucking say it, you're dead. You know? Let me say it one more time. Say non-binary. What are you again? You're a fucking man. Like, you know, I'll break your fucking knuckle. You know, it's like, what was so brave about it? Because there's a stigma around it? I don't see these non-binary people getting the shit kicked out of them on the street. Like, I don't see the oppression that is claimed to be there. Because you know what? I think at the end of the day, most people don't give a fuck. Like, are you going to get in trouble now if you don't refer to Sam Smith as a he? And what category of artist does he go into in the awards? Does he just go into artist of the year? Like, have they gone away with all the genders in, in, in like music awards and stuff like that? Like, I wonder what that would be like if I decided, you know what? I really feel like a four-year-old. I'm going to identify as a four-year-old. I wonder how that would go down at my work. Like when I went into the office. If I was like, I need to go poopy. You need to take me. Someone needs to take me to go poopies. And then when nobody takes me, I shit in my pants at my desk. And then I start crying uncontrollably because I'm hungry. I need a nap now. You know? I wonder if I'd be allowed to go on any business meetings. I wonder if I'd be allowed to sit in the board meetings or do my reports or be a manager to other people, grown-ups. I wonder if, like, you know, life would just go on and everybody would just accept my decision to identify as a four-year-old. I don't understand what communities these people live in because I'll tell you what, right now, if I turned up at work tomorrow and I was like Darnell, they would look at me and say, hey, you probably need to go and talk to somebody. You probably need to go and be evaluated. Like I saw this thing. Man identifies as a six-year-old and wins, uh, wipes the floor at a jiu-jitsu competition or a, what was it, jiu-jitsu or taekwondo competition or tournament or something like that. It's like, yeah, grown man identifies as a six-year-old, wipes the floor of a jiu-jitsu tournament. Like... What the fuck, dude? Like, have you seen the rapper Zuby? If you haven't seen the rapper Zuby, check him out on YouTube, right? He's an English, um, I think he's English. He sounds kind of Canadian. But um, I think he's over here in, in the UK. And he's a rapper. And he posted a video to Instagram. I think this is like a week and a half ago now. Um, but it's basically him breaking the female, the UK female deadlift record. And he posted it on Instagram. He's like, watch me beat. He's like, watch me crush the UK women's UK deadlift record easily or without trying. Right. He's a big dude. He's ripped it and clean, like clean deadlift off the floor. Right. Dropped it down. One rep, beautiful, easy. Because he said he identified as a woman before doing it. So you can't discriminate against him. If that's how he identifies, that's how he identifies. So what are we talking about? Why can't I pitch up at work and say, proclaim that I am now Darlene instead of Daryl? I'm now Darlene and I need you to refer to me as Darlene and I am going to be doing all the things that Darlene does as she identifies as a woman. So I'm going to start going into, I'm still wearing my own clothes because, you know, 
clothing has nothing to do with gender or identity. I can wear what I want, but I, I identify as a woman and therefore I'm going to start using the female toilets. Right? And now I'm going to start complaining about the gender pay gap. And if I get any flack, I want to be signed off for stress leave. Like, I don't know what community these people live in to get away with some of this stuff, but some of it is absurd. Do some people have, you know, identity dysmorphia and things like this? Of course they do. And I'm not poking fun at those people who, you know, truly suffer. But I think a lot of people are just taking the piss. Like this rapper was doing it to show a point of how absurd this notion is that there is no physiological difference between a man, uh, a woman, and a transgender woman, right? Someone who wasn't born a biological man who was transitioned into a woman. Because this is a big argument right now, right? Should transgender women, men who have transitioned into a woman, be able to compete in female sports? And the answer categorically is no, for a number of obvious scientific and biological reasons. But you still have these idiots out there that are claiming that there's no advantage. But nobody wants to see this happen in combat sports. Nobody's calling for that. Tennis, it's okay. You know, things like that, it's okay. Track and field, okay. I mean, nobody's asking for it in, like, wrestling or the UFC or boxing or construction work. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work like that. It's a very convenient type of argument. But with this Sam Smith thing, I just think it's hilarious because like he's clearly he's clearly a dude, right? He's clearly a man. He's clearly a gay man. I think he's come out and saying, I like both. Great. Then you're a bisexual man. If you start to go through a process of changing your your gender, then you're a transgender woman, right? Like we're starting to define these things. But non-binary... That doesn't exist. You are one or the other. You are one or the other. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this offends people. I'm sorry if this touches a little close to the bone. But I'm not buying it, man. I'm just, I can't. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And the article was written by the BBC in a male pronoun. As a, as a, in a, in a male, uh, I think I'm saying that right. In a male pronoun uh, style, right? So it was referring to Sam Smith as a he, him, his, you know, so on and so forth. But it's funny because I didn't hear any backlash about that. I heard all this bravery talk about Sam Smith coming out as non-binary, but I didn't hear anything about that. Like, where's the outrage? Like, you know what I mean? They just pick and choose. It's just hilarious to me. Um, but it's also annoying because just because you have a change of mind doesn't mean I have to. And it doesn't mean that just because you decide now that you're this after all this time, that automatically overnight my feelings have to be straight up in line with exactly what you, what you're identifying with, how you view the world, you know, all this stuff. It does doesn't align like that. Because what if you have a change of heart the day after, and then you're back? Like I can't keep up with the changes of your, you know, the fluctuations in your mentality, and how you perceive yourself. That's not my job. So I just think that it's, I just think it's a little silly, to be honest. I think it's a little bit silly. And it's like, rather than addressing the underlying issues that make you feel the way you feel, you just look at, like, it's just looking for a, kind of like an easy way out for me. And, and people will say, oh, it's not easy because look at all the discrimination. Do they get a lot of discrimination? Are non-binary people like the height of like the, the, the most discriminated people? I don't think they are. I think they're one of the highest um, on the mental illness scale because something like 50% of transgender people commit suicide. So when you go down that route, there's an underlying issue that needs to be addressed. And I think we need to put more focus and attention and resources on our mental health facilities and our mental health policies to make sure that we're looking after people who might be a little bit sad or confused or depressed or lonely or whatever it may be. Because to me, this is people looking for acceptance rather than identifying a real agenda or, you know, it's just a strange one to me, man.
strange one to me. Anyways. What the fuck else is going on? Oh yeah, Google got fined. Uh, 1.49 billion. This was like last week or the week before. They got fined like 1.49 billion for advertising uh, malpractice, basically having a monopoly on search and and charging other people. Like in their T's and C's, they said that you know if you if you bought Google AdSense words and you were a publisher, you couldn't use um, any other search functionality other than Chrome. So they were taking all the data, all the keywords, all the search you know revenue off the back of that. Um, and that brings their total up to 8.2 billion in two years that they've been fined by the EU. Um, I don't, I mean, if you're going to find a company like Google, you have to find them where it's going to mean something and 1.4 billion is nothing. And even 8.2 billion is nothing. Uh, so you're never going to curb the behavior and you're never going to get them to give up their dominance, right? You're not going to regulate them. That's it. Like, what do you do now? But if you're not prepared to find them, I don't see how you're prepared to regulate them. And the only way you bring these kinds of giants under control is by regulating them. So, <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? Nothing is, is, you know, is the short answer. Nothing. They're not going to do anything. Because nobody ever does anything. It's a flash in the pan. See you later. I'll tell you what doesn't seem to be a flash in the pan. I'll tell you what seems to be an ever-growing issue and a fucking real annoyance for me. Um, and I don't know if any of you guys have experienced these, but I recalled it last time. I, I think it was Friday. I recorded it. And by 12 o'clock noon... By lunchtime, I had received 12 um, of these spam calls. I've, I've received 12 spam calls. I've received seven today on my mobile. I'm going to have to change my mobile, my mobile number. It's just insane. They're from 0203 numbers. They're from uh, 0330 numbers. And every time I pick them up, they start to play hold music. And... They ring and they ring and they ring and they ring. And sometimes somebody picks up and sometimes somebody doesn't. So I figured out that the worst thing you can do is answer the phone in the first place. But there goes the rub because I have to answer my phone because I use it for work. And so I always get caught with these things. And then they ring me back. And so I blocked about, I've blocked about 25 numbers in the last, I don't know, four days, five days. And they still just keep ringing. It's just a variation of another number. And I'm just wondering how this is like this, how this is legal. Like this is insane. It borders like harassment, the volume levels, right? I mean, it's nothing like America and the type of shit that you get from there, but it's really bad. And it seems to be getting worse because like six months ago, I barely received any of these, but obviously my number has ended up on a list somewhere and there's no, it's no good you telling them to take you off the call list because they won't. Um, I ask them every time. And, you know, I've managed to speak with maybe three different people. Uh, they say they're calling from, you know, XY Corporation or, you know, you know, ABC Business Limited or whatever. You don't know the hell they're saying. You know, all they want is to basically either hack your phone, get some details off you um, and just bother you, keep you on the phone as much as they can. Uh, so the best thing to do is not answer the phone to any unidentified numbers if you do get a number that is someone you want to speak to, save it in your phone. It's imperative that you do that because I think these things are just going to keep coming. The ramp up that I've seen even in the last week has been insane. So be on the lookout for any unidentified 0203 numbers or 0330 numbers uh, or anybody that's calling you from like outside of what your normal postcode was. I mean, who the fuck calls anybody anyways? Let's be honest. Like I, I screen every single phone call that comes into my phone. And if I don't have you saved in my address book, there is not a snowball's chance in hell I'm picking up the phone. Why? Because I don't want to hear what you got to say. I'm not interested in anything you got to say. I'm barely interested in the people that are in my address book and what they got to say. 
So there's no chance in hell I'm picking up an unidentified number. Problem is, I have to use it for work, so sometimes I have to do and I get caught. But I'm starting to recognize some of them, and I'm doing a damn good job of my due diligence in saving people's numbers into my phone so I can minimize the amount of times I have to answer uh, the phone to one of these robots. You know, they're bot calls, basically. That's what they are, right? They're like bot calls. But yeah, I've gotten like 25 of them over the past couple of days. It's insane. And like getting into the double digit calls by lunchtime, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, I work in the advertising business, so I understand spam and I understand frequency and I understand volume and I understand coverage. But good Lord, this is fucking harassment, basically. You know, this is this is nonsense. But I haven't heard anybody really in the British press talking about it or any consequences for these companies running up these calls in the amount, you know, at the amount that they do, at the volume that they do. It's insane. Um, so I just I, I just wanted to bring that up because I don't know if anybody else is experiencing these things, but I certainly have been. And I don't know. I'm going to have to change my mobile number. You know, and it's not even one of those things where you can be like, I want to be unlisted now. I don't even think that's a thing anymore. There's so many directories online that you can just find information about people. But it's like, how are you going to go through? Again, like, what am I going to do? Email Google and say, Google, take all my shit off the internet? It's crazy. So we're just a victim of circumstance. We're a victim of the times. We're a victim of technology. And we just get sucked up into the vacuum of data that's swirling around there to be grabbed, you know, grabbed by the highest bidder and used as their discretion. It's crazy to me. It's just crazy to me. But fuck you going to do, right? I suppose that's first world problems. I hate that saying, by the way. First world problems. It's like, yeah, but I live. And so do you. In the fucking, in the first world. Just because it's a first world problem doesn't mean it's a problem. Doesn't mean it's it's not a problem. You know, a first world problem is a problem for people in the first world. A third world problem is a fucking problem for the people in the third world. They're different, of course. But I still got problems. You know what I mean? And one of the problems is I get called 300 times a fucking week by people I don't know for no reason. That's a problem. It's a first world problem. The second problem is when you've got a garbage truck outside your front window and a bunch of garbage men smacking around your bins while you're trying to record a podcast. Again, another first world problem. But when you're recording a show that's going to be distributed all over the internet, it's a fucking problem. The screeching's a nice touch. Wonder if we can level that out in the post, uh, post-show edit. Mix it up a little bit. It's a bit of ambient sound for you there. A bit, a bit of... Uh, bit of realism for you there you know so it is a problem you know what else is a problem being 35 and turning the wrong direction too fast you might blow out a knee i can't even reach for the remote these days without blowing my back out or stitching myself up just like totally knotting up my back it's insane like i walk or i do some skipping in the gym and all of a sudden for the next three days i got swollen ankles and feels like i broke my toe These niggles that come out of nowhere when you turn 35. And I'm a little past that, by the way. But things ache for no reason. I got hair growing off the top of my fucking ear. I got to pay attention to this thing now or I'll look like, I don't know, I look like a papillon dog. Starting to grow like butterfly wings up there. It's insane. Oh, all of a sudden I got to look out for like the length of the the, uh, hair in my ears and like whether or not the nose hair is like dangling underneath is ridiculous. It's like a random pain in my knee. It's like, what was that from? It's like, oh, you got up way too fast. Yeah, that slow crawl that you did to the kitchen was way too much before stretching. You know, and please, please don't get it twisted. I go fucking hard at the gym, all right? I go real hard. I'm real serious when I'm at the gym, okay? My workouts are not to be fucked with. I go hard five days a week when I'm working out. So I get business done. I'm just saying. There's some creaks and some and some niggles and some naggles that weren't, you know, it wouldn't crop up 
six years ago. They wouldn't crop up five years ago. They wouldn't. They certainly wouldn't have cropped up in my twenties. That's for sure. But now you got to be a little extra careful. Got to be a little extra careful. I'm conscious now of when I bend down to grab something. I bend with my knees, not with my back. It's a real struggle. It's real life struggles. But that's a first world problem. You don't see, oh, I got backache, you know, by some, you know, villager in, you know, in the Maasai Mai, the Maasai Mari, right? You know, you don't get some people in Kenya complaining about backache. They might complain because the teeth hurt because I got gingivitis, you know, they don't got toothpaste. But they're not going to, not going to hear them bitching about an ingrown toenail, <laughs> Or a knot in their back. Oh, my neck is so tight. You know? Oh, why? Because you were watching TV on your sofa in your house for too long? You lazy fuck? You know? So, anyways, just I just wanted to just wanted to just wanted to tell you my aches and my pains. <laughs> I got some aches and I got some pains. <laughs> but uh, first world problems are problems nevertheless. Okay? That doesn't mean you don't recognize third world problems. What's the second world, by the way? I know what the first world is. And I know what the third world is. What's like the second world? Is that like Belgium? Because Belgium's just like really shit. And there's not much to do there. Or is that like Poland? Like is Poland the second world? Like is there a second world? I know there's first world. I know there's third world. But is there second world problems? I know there's a second class citizen. But there isn't a third class citizen. Or maybe there is. Anyways. Ha. There you go. Just. Yeah. Whoa. Fuck. Talk about rambling. Right. We're at an hour. I'm going away. Uh, the evening is too beautiful to be here ranting and uh, and raving with you, uh, with you lunatics. So um, I'm going to wrap this up. But that was a bit of... Uh, yeah, bit of just open thought there at the end, bit of a bit of a verbal diarrhea at the end. Um, yeah, let's wrap this up. Episode seventy-seven. Um, we got some things out. We got some things covered. That was good. I'm gonna try to get back this week. Um, I'm not sure what else is going on. I was gonna preview the um, the past couple UFCs, but I didn't. I don't really want to. Um, I might do maybe later on in the week. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking on it. Um, I'm going to have a look at the schedule and see what we've got coming up and see how we can maybe put some stuff together. Um, but either way, I think I've got two more days where I've got opportunities I might be able to record something. Uh, definitely one. So if I can get there, I'll get another episode out this week and that would be fantastic. Then we'll be kind of back on track from last week as well. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you download. If you, um, you want to know where you can get the show, you can download it at iTunes, you can subscribe and download it on Spotify, you can download and subscribe on SoundCloud, um, and then you can follow our Facebook page and our Twitter feed, uh, which are both at Quiet Part Loud, uh, and you can get links to the shows generally on SoundCloud, but we'll repost when iTunes updates and when SoundCloud updates as well, so you can have the links right there in the social feeds for for uh, for the most recent show, and that'll obviously link to you know, past shows as well. So uh, let us know what you think of today's show. Let us know what you think of everything else that we've talked about. Um, what are your thoughts on Brexit? What are your thoughts on the Mueller report? We want to hear about all of it. So um, with your feedback, we continue to improve, and and that's part of the engine, you know, that keeps this uh, this vehicle going. So we want to hear from you guys all the time, and uh, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Uh, so. This is episode 77. My name's Daryl. I'm your host. Pleasure as always. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, guys, all the best.